Hi everyone, welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Adam Parry um, of Event Industry News. Today I'm joined by Mark Evans and he is the CEO and founder of an organisation called Commando Group. Some of you may have already come across that name. In his own words, or the one that I nicked from LinkedIn anyway, um, Commando is a multi-award winning international brand experience agency with over 19 years combined experience in connecting brands with digital audiences. Their focus has always been on innovation and technology, and that's why I've invited Mark on today to talk about that particular aspect. But they essentially fuse the physical and digital worlds through brand experience, ultimately driving loyalty and positive word of mouth for those event organizers and brands. Um, in the words of their customers, Commando consistently deliver high, innovative and measurable marketing campaigns, which that latter part is the very most important part and they ultimately bring brands and people closer together. Mark, welcome to today's podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Adam. No problem at all. I think before we delve right into the, the for me, it's the geeky bit, the, the bit I love, the technology and the innovation. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners and viewers a little bit more about your own experience within the events industry, how you got now to launch Commando Group? What, what, was, your, what was your experience and, and journey through into, into events? Sure. Um, well, we'll not get two or three days for the whole story, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, give, I'll cut it short and sweet for you. Um, I, I started probably the, the UK's first guerrilla marketing agency back in um, 1995-96. I came from a, a club background and believe it or not, I was okay. in the military before that. So a lot of the precision and hence the name Commando with a K mm -hmm. of course, um, the, that that military precision kind of came through into the, the the style of marketing that I made. I sort of made a niche for myself. And back in the nineties, it was very much about creating that word of mouth. So yeah. it was everything from projections to um, you know disruption, um, creating PR stunts, which was very much about creating column inches for people. And that was my that was the introduction of um, the you know. My, myself to the marketing industry and pretty much as an upstart uh, pushing against the, the the advertising the traditional advertising and marketing tide so to speak yep um for really from the from creating the first agency which i created and called buddha marketing that that really moved itself in into commando in the early 2000s and formed itself as a real boutique independent agency um really to, again, to following our values as they, to, as they are today, it's very much about resisting the ordinary, challenging traditional, embracing great ideas, you know, and, and embracing change. Mm -hmm. And that that early adoption of guerrilla marketing, that state of mind, allowed us to put brands on the radar through non-traditional ways. And what I mean by that was we sort of carried that early guerrilla marketing, that PR stunt format, that creating word of positive word of mouth on the street, yeah. disrupting. Um, we took that forward and it's, it, the process became a lot more distilled, a lot more efficient. We started to really use the process of combining powerful PR, column inches again with mm -hmm. it. And then of course, as the years moved on, we've moved into that digital space and uh, we saw the tide, cha the tide change with social media and the, the real boom of of mobiles and hand devices. Uh, and that really started to push me and the, the, the company and the team into the experiential landscape, where we use a lot of that, um, the, the, the ethos of 
of precision in the deployment of the idea, as great ideas are only as good as the, the ability to make them happen. So we took that, that, that fluidity of, of Guerrilla, we implemented it into experiential, really, really zoned in on the consumer behavior side. It's kind of one of my passions, that whole thing of psychology, yeah. being able to really, really engage with the, 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 the consumer at an emotional context, and that usually involves the five senses, as you know, as well. So that really, from, from the, the early point of experiential, really at the early 2000s, Commander was one of the sort of real pioneers in that, in the sense of delivering that sense of true engagement and, and starting to use social media to keep that post-event loyalty developing, yeah, making everything authentic. And of course, where now it's all about the tech. And, and the group of companies that Commando have under its umbrella is, is about research and development of new technology that are all used within that brand experience and experiential space for what it is at the moment. And that's yeah. changed. Yeah, it's, I love the history of the company. I, I have got a question for you and I hope I don't put you on the spot. There was a very, very old stunt of somebody projecting something onto the side of the Houses yeah, of Parliament. Up. Was that, were you involved in that by any chance? Or was I, can't that make it, I can't make any comments on that. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the, the bits and pieces we were involved in. Um, yes, Westminster has been partnered with the House of Parliament done to death. There's actually yeah. a wonderful little green, what well, was a green space across from that particular part of the building, which isn't illuminated. And that's why it's always targeted. Yeah. Where you can shoot across the Thames onto it. Uh, and there's, it's been done so many times, but the amount of times, you know, we've had to sort of hide in the bushes now, a car park now, and it's, uh, it brings back funny, funny, funny memories. Right. Brilliant, man. I, I appreciate you, uh, you explaining that. I think coming back to your point about the precision, I think that's a really interesting point because I think the perception of most people when they see these guerrilla activations, the, the ones that capture those column inches, which ultimately can be bought but an extremely expensive price when it comes yeah. to actual marketing investment and there is also the argument that sometimes bad news or or, or, or naughty news as we call it yeah. is is good news um i guess your your history is actually brought back to the fact that those activations are really really well planned out really really well thought out and ultimately delivered really really accurately but yeah. the perception to the to the to the general public is it's just somebody's had a great idea and they've managed to get away with it kind of scenario. Yeah. Would you say that's a fair fair assessment of what you what you your your history or your the way that you work? Yeah, Adam, that's that's perfectly put. Um, I think you've hit it in the head. We've all seen um, stunts go wrong, um, and one of the one of our promises to to clients as much as we can is that the most important thing is brand reputation for our clients yeah. and. You know, to kind of put you in the picture, some of our guerrilla work is we've executed across 21 countries. We relaunched Kira Knightley as a face of Chanel for, um, you know, for, for Coco, Coco, Coco Chanel. We have um, worked for Levi 501, one of the world's first synchronized Bluetooth events across 11 countries. Okay. These brands are very, very precious about their reputation. Um, they take calculated risks when you put anything into live space, whether it's experiential or guerrilla. You're putting something into it's not something that's run by copywriters. It's not mm. run run through a a, a check team. You know, a, a, it, when you're in that life space, there are a million different variables to it. And if you don't have that a plan B, 
or you don't have the experience. Uh, and that's why the, 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 the commando experiential journey has been so successful in the sense of our implementation is based on those years of diving in and out back streets, mobilizing teams to carry out what could be quite daring stunts um, and you know, you know, PR opportunities. But the most important thing is that delivery side of it. And maybe it's my military background. The attention is in, the devil is in the detail. Yeah. But what can look quite daring from the outside. I mean, I remember hijacking Kensington High Street and we turned every piece of street furniture in Kensington High Street into the contents of a lady's makeup bag for Superdrug. Right, wow. So we're turning giant, you know, bollard street furniture into lipsticks, you know, Pelican, you know, pedestrian crosses into eye brushes. I mean, I'm sorry for all for anyone who uses makeup. If I've got the terminology wrong, um, you know, I don't have my makeup bag with me. Just <laughs> I was going to say, but, don't, you're not fooling anybody, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So, so on that that if you look, you know, kids in high school, you know, it's extremely. It's under the CCTV. So, yeah. I mean, we were using night vision goggles. It sounds so crazy. Night vision goggles. We had. We were looking for shift changes, all of these different things that allowed us to infiltrate, you know, activate the campaign, get the street, these, these stunts in place, and then have the, the, the PR set up, the, the, the news and the, the, the camera guys set up to capture it for the opening of what was Super Drugs flagship store in Kensington High Street. So, you know, I could rhyme off so many of these stories, but the that. fundamentals are with any live event, as you know, the, the, the preparation is absolutely essential and you can bet your bottom dollar something will go wrong, whether you're setting up an event in a trade show or whether you're setting up an event for a birthday party or whatever, or an experiential, something can be late. You know, so a, a, you know, a light might, you know, a piece of electrics might not work or something yeah. might not turn up. And it's, you've got to manage these variables. And it's that old, that old syndrome of the, the swan on the water, look graceful but underneath the water, the feet are doing this. So that's pretty much you know, you've hit it in the head with regards to the the operational aspect of it. And I think that's where the value for me is. Like as an, as the I I always say the bar is quite low for anybody to come into the events industry and say that they can put an activation on oh, yes. an event, all that kind of stuff. We don't have a a kind of a corgi register. Oh, okay, we have event management degrees and that kind of stuff, and that can get. But I don't think any brands asking somebody for an event management degree certificate to give them. The sign up on an event yeah. it's very much sold on the basis of we can create an experience for you but actually the value that what they're paying you for is like you said all that experience to understand what can potentially go wrong and what needs to be put in place as a plan b c d e f g etc etc because if that does happen which sometimes it does and, and there's lots of events that things go wrong we've had our, our own experiences ourselves yeah. it's having the capacity to be able to fix that right in the moment so the event or the experience can continue, right? Yeah. Um, I remember I was having our first award ceremony and seven minutes before guests were supposed to be invited for dinner, we still couldn't get the VTs and the video loaded onto the oh, um, onto the onto horrendous. the AV team's uh, computer. That was I was like, can we actually do an award ceremony without? video probably not but then we got it fixed somebody very much more experienced on site that we were paying came yeah. in and fixed it and that's i think where the value is of companies like you so that that's yeah. that's a great story that mate about super drug I'd, I'd love to see pictures of that i guess then my next question for you is why such a big focus on innovation and technology i know our industry is ultimately being driven forward 
at the moment through technology and there seems to be this huge appetite right or wrongly from brands to be able to want to do the next biggest thing with tech uh, it seems or at least i hear is is that what's driven you is the is it the desire of the customer or is it just your own general interest in what technology and innovation can do for our sector a couple of questions i'm, go, I'm, I'm going I'm going, to, I'm going to be honest with you adam <laughs> hopefully your listeners will, will, will appreciate the, the honesty in me being so candid i think over the over the past probably 10 years you know I, i've seen experiential really fall apart in the sense of it's become quite a lazy form of entertainment rather than sticking to its true um I don't know, it's, it's, true, it's true character. It's become a bit lost okay. uh, for what it's worth. Um, when Experiential first started out, it was a very powerful way of engaging people and, and it achieved that through its ability to be agile, to engage people you know, ad hoc, to really, really, um, to, to really drive a, a context around about the idea. And what I've seen over the over the years is that almost everybody, as you as you said, you absolutely hit it in the head earlier on about this benchmark. There's no, the, the benchmark is very very low. You know, there's a low entry point, and what you have is everybody and their dog, you know, making a crack at experiential. If I you know if I come across another pamper zone, you know, in a street or another ice cream van turned into a, a you know a, a, an eyelash or or a a promotion for a mobile phone. I'm going to. I'm yeah. probably going to, you know, do myself harm. <laughs> I find that the ideas have become quite lazy. Um, it's a kind of go to the, the the library of of ideas, and everybody shares the same ideas now. And I kind of blame a lot of that on the big agencies that saw a lot of their advertising probably drift away towards more face to face engagement, and they lost a bit of that revenue they mm -hmm. probably had their clients knocking at their door saying look we want to get involved in this thing called and if i hear it experimental no guys it's experiential <laughs> um and you know we'd like to take a piece of this we want to get on the ground and on the floor with our, 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 our customers and then what you have is you've seen a kind of movement of the suits from one um mm. part of the of the of the of the, the organization into this experiential arm to hold on to the budget but the ideas were coming out and some of them were fantastic ideas but what you have happen, happened on the back of that was that they had to find a nice, easy place to deploy them. And of course, that's when it into your shopping centers and into the common spaces that we come across every day. And it almost became like another form of, of media. Yeah. And that power and that agility of a great idea engaging you, uh, you know, a, a, an, un, un, you know an, an upper opportune moment, um, you know, it's really kind of drifted, drifted away. So my my understanding of the development of experiential to where we are now it's probably less about experiential and much more about ex brand experience as the technology sits within that because we're a more tech savvy audience for a start yeah how we communicate and speak to each other is all online and through video and through the power of of, of social media so therefore we need to try and find, yes, physical is important because without physical, you don't have that sensory engagement. Mm -hmm. yeah. but the technology can now, with some of the new tech which is coming out, can be an enabler. And that enabler doesn't have to happen in a shopping center or happen, have to happen you know, in the same old space. It can happen anywhere. 
and you can create those experiential moments. Um, probably not as deep that in the sense of the physical interactions you get with face-to-face, -face, but with some of the tech that's out there now, you can start to create those experiential moments in a more fragmented way without the high production costs yeah, okay. that were starting to roll out with experiential. And that's, that was one of the main areas which was my gripe over the past 10 years. Unless you've got a multi-million pound budget and you can attend, you know, 20, 30 cities and you've got, you know, massive pop-ups. So you're talking budget for big boys. Yeah, yeah. That you started to make it, you know, anybody comes along with a smaller budget, the production costs make the cost of acquisition so high that, that you're really squeezing out the, the, the smaller brands that want to use Experiential as a way of connecting with their audience and customers. So technology is a way of kind of rebalancing the books. How would you then say technology is ultimately showcasing that value. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leading you onto the measurement side of things here because one of the things that I've become very apparent in terms of utilizing technology at our own events is when you collect the right data, um, the meaningful data, and you can extrapolate that and understand that, then you can start to quantify the value of whatever activation you've provided and that becomes yeah. really powerful for any brand big or small in terms of further investing investing in that kind of activity and i think you know over the over the last 10 years well not over the last 10 years but for a while digital really started to overtake in terms of company spend in terms of investment because there was information that they got back immediately yes. that they ultimately allowed them to either stop investing or invest more. And that's where kind of physical events, especially around 2008, when we had the crash, they become this big question mark over physical events because they couldn't understand what was the value, how, what, what were the touch points, what did, how much did we measure? And now it seems that technology is actually enabling that in order for us to, even though we might do a physical activation, which is about the emotion of, you know, how that person feels going away from that event, from that experience, from how much more connected they feel to that brand. It's my understanding that technology can actually start to really help support the, I hate to say, the ROI of an, of an activation by providing that data. Do you see it in the same way? And, and, and what data yeah. and analytics are you kind of connecting, uh, collecting for your customers? Well, I think that's, again, a great question. And measurement is everything to me. It always has been. Um, and that's the beauty of brand experience, experiential even that you, with social media. They're so inextricably linked with digital, digital mm. and experiential. That's pushed the growth, the, the boom in that, because you can kind of use the post-event analysis through social media to kind of measure and track some of that feedback. But now the, the, the technology that we have at our fingertips, I mean, I mentioned earlier we've got other companies, one of our sister companies, Nomadics Media, um, we developed a, a range of technologies, the world's first handheld video projector, for instance, um, which is a, a guerrilla marketing projection system you can put over your shoulder and you can roam and beam onto buildings. But we also created a technology called iWalker, and iWalker is a wearable technology and um, digital technology which elevates a screen above the wearer's head but allows you to take content to your audience. And we know that audiences are more fragmented, mm -hmm. but we actually engage those audiences with content, digital content on the screen, which is uh, controlled from PCs or mobile. You've also got a, a little camera 
um, in the, the bottom of the screen, which measures who's looked. So we've got a, we've we've got a, and that can quantify them into data sets. Yep. So if you think of um, you think of at shopping centres, um, we've carried out a number of campaigns for the likes of Hammerson, where the the, the main event um, might be a, a test drive of a BMW i8. Now the car typically um, brand car, car manufacturers, car dealers will leave cars there in a shopping centre, and it's a kind of hate of mind you to see a sales guy standing on there, and it's like they will come and you will see the car and we will take marketing information and possibly sales leads. But what we sort of took it was one stage ahead and we said, okay, let's leave, uh, let's leave some information, car, cars inside a space, but shopping centers are massive events. Yeah. And rather than treating it the same way as most people do, it's just there's the space, keeping the space. We had teams of eye walkers out with VR goggles. If you kind of look over my shoulder here, we've got this, this here is actually the top end of a eye walker. We've got the camera here the screen display but when you've actually got these guys walking with the system it's designed with Strathclyde University biomechanics department so it's really comfortable to wear you mobilize the system you mobilize the call to action on the screen above the wearer's head you can see it across from the eye from eye level you're measuring who's looking at it putting them into age groups and gender so you've got quantifiable real-time measurement but you're invited, the, the call to action was drive the new I-8. Yeah. So people were then, what do you mean drive the new I-8? Drive the new I-8, they were, the call to action, we were giving them headsets so they could actually be in the shopping center, you could target, you know, um, the, the target audience across the full event, across the, the full square footage. And you're able to give people an experience, a VR experience on the move, and then take warm sales leads on tablets because you'd humanize that experience. So you've taken media, You've humanized it, you've mobilized it, which challenges the biggest issue of static mm. media. Yeah. Because yeah. how do you make it relevant for an audience where they're most responsive? Biggest challenge of outdoor media. Yeah. Taking that, repackaged it and made it made it a sort of extension, a way of amplifying something experiential. And that's just one example of how the statistics and the data are then able to sort of, you know justify uh, uh, the spend on something experiential. I mean, the same eye walkers are actually used by, and without facial detection, I hasten to add, because you can switch that off and off, they're used by the likes of read exhibitions and clarion events. And actually, ISE, these were actually, the eye walkers were the main tool for ISE for meet and greet, making the visitors, the thousands of visitors at ISE Amsterdam this year, aware of the bar change to Barcelona, yeah, yeah, yeah. the change for venue for next year. So the iWalkers were able to do that. You know how big ISE is, multiple halls. Huge, yeah. Um, with packs across in Boston and Philadelphia, iWalkers were used across there for wayfinding and for giving people, visitors information, because we know that the target, the audience, the visitors of trade shows, exhibitions, um, we know we are experiential. People are looking for information there and then. They're looking for how that information gives gives them that um, fulfills their needs at the various points that they may need it. And so, floor graphics are kind of lost in the floor. Wall hangings are lost in the wall when you've got a busy crowd. So, how else do you make the call to action, the message stand out 
I, I, I absolutely agree with you, mate. I mean, at our event, Event Tech Live, last year it was, we had graphics in the ceiling and floor graphics. And it's really interesting because somebody came to an information point to find information out. Um, and they obviously had to come to us. And then they said, it would be nice to have more directional signage around the show. And we were like, yeah, we, we've, it's, it's up and above and below you. But it clearly, because it wasn't at eye yeah. level for her, and yeah. she had to come to an information point for her, she'd had to take those extra steps into finding out. So absolutely, I, I totally agree with you. I can absolutely see how any exhibition and event could utilize your solution, that solution in so many different ways. Yeah. Sponsorship opportunities, information points, taking the information to the attendees. I think probably at the moment as well, a lot of social distancing information, right? For people feel safe around uh, abs stuff. Uh, abs absolutely, you know, that's such a critical thing. We've pivoted quite quickly on the, the fact that we know from, there's a big event in Paris called L'Equipe Hotel. I don't yeah. know if you've heard, it's a massive big event uh, and it, it covers a number of hotels, a number of halls um, across the, the event. And, you know, I remember that, that one of the initial um, campaigns we had for read was about how do you actually make people, make it easier for people to wayfind, to, to find that journey across um, and probably a short window time, you think how many hours it takes to, you know, move across a different area. So exhibitors need to be comfortable. People are going to find them as easy as possible. And the visitors want to know, um, and so the, the, it was a thing called Easy Map. It was put onto a tablet, and people were able to find very easily identify the eye, the eye walkers and identify the maps on the screen. And then the, the the wearers were able to show them on a tablet, you know, the where they were as an orientation point. But that kind of brought us really into where we are now with this whole situation with the pandemic. Is people have shifted their Priorities. You probably heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm not going into the science of the whole thing, but Wi-Fi you know, the top. <laughs> yeah, you, you know that at that second stage of the pyramid is all that psychological needs. You know the yeah. the, the fuzzy stuff, the experiential, and a lot of brands and experience environments have really zoned in on the emotional context of needs, which are usually around about the senses. Um, and I wrote a paper on this very recently, and, and it was how the, the, the how actually COVID has changed our priorities to the base needs. Mm. And what I mean by that is, is it's kind of, and I'm simplifying this down quite a lot, is that we're more conscious of our safety and how safe we are made to feel. And that's a key thing for environments like shopping centers, for event organizers, conference organizers, for anyone who's involved in that experience space. The challenge now is not only how do you wrap the experience in something which is a, makes sense around the, the touch, feel, taste, the engagement part, but how do you, how do you make yourself seen yeah. as caring about people's safety? And the beauty of the eyewalker is that the eyewalker is there's a, very highly visual technology. You can't miss them in the crowd. The screens can be programmed with safety, you know, comfort, soft messaging, but also with digital signage being involved in it, you're able to update the content in real time. 
So updates on safety, updates on, it could be pressure points. Now, the, the little camera that I pointed out here for facial detection and uses facial feature detection, so it's GDPR compliant, it's not facial yep. recognition. Yep. Big difference between the two. Is, yeah. The face can actually be used to identify people with masks and without masks on. So our software development for the, the iWalker has now become something which can make people feel safe, but also give what I call forward commands, the likes of um, security or anyone else management information in real time as to even crowd congestion points. So if an iWalker is walking by exit four and in the, in the food court, there's queues there and there's congestion, then iWalkers will relay that information through the camera on crowd density and can so it can add value to all of our safety. I, I love that, mate. I think that's so, so valuable right now. You know, somebody that is planning our physical event in November and working with our health and safety team to understand, you know, how many people can fit into a yeah. two square meter social distance radius at the moment. Like one of the big questions is how are, how are exhibition and event organizers going to actively manage this on site? Because yeah. it's okay having a big enough space and having a number of people on site. But if they all, all of a sudden congregate in one part of the venue and you're not aware of it, can you act on it quickly yeah. enough? And it's yeah. a real testament to how technology delivered live to the event team can yeah. help them keep everybody safe and act yeah. upon things that they don't want to, to be well, happening, that, right? That's, um, I actually wanted to kind of give you and your, your, your listeners, your followers, something interesting, a piece of new tech um, and that's this little device here, um, okay. which our software guys have been working flat out on. Um, it, it was, it, it's called the Halo Box. It's, yeah. a, it's a device which carries some very, very powerful software. So if you imagine this plugging into any TV or any screen and it turns it into a real-time communication platform. Okay. So if you add a camera into this, you then have a real-time communication platform for messaging, but also for feedback on crowd behavior. Um, so uh, you, you mentioned events. So this little box will carry digital signage and facial feature detection, crowd control software. If you imagine putting some screens around your events at typical meet and greet points, and then you've got teams of iWalkers as well remotely operating across the, the event, distributing information, collecting information if it's required. But these boxes here, if you put screens across your event at these press, likely pressure points that you can do with a very, very clever assessment, and incidentally, iWalkers can feed back into that. So as the event starts to develop and pressure points are starting to be realized, you can then mobilize screens with these devices plugged into them and a camera on the top, and you've got instant um, feedback and monitoring of crowd density, everything down to the number to people that are wearing masks, not wearing masks. The screens can be programmed with that information to display relevant content and even sound alarms, traffic light systems. So if you've got a traffic light systems for entry into food courts, this will count people in and out. It will monitor them and it will give a traffic light system for entry exit into any space so this little device, and we've sort of conditioned this little device to come in just about £100. It's really, really cheap. 
It's about giving access to this kind of tech for people who are organizing conferences, exhibitions, retailers who want something to make their customers feel safer, yeah. to make their staff feel more informed, to make their customers feel safe through information. And, you know, this, this is hot off the track. We just through finished final beta testing on the dashboard, the software for it. So I'm, I'm really, really pleased to discuss it with you. But that would answer, and that will answer, a lot of the issues that people are likely to be concerned. Because this isn't just going to go away. You know, I think we know that. The changes in our behavior, when they say it takes 21 days to change behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of instilled in me now, and I know from my experience, no doubt you as well, Adam, that when we're out and we're engaged in these spaces, we're so hyper-conscious on the, these, these, the new life, the new world. That's going to change the way these events behave next, next year, and I think for the foreseeable future. So I do agree with you. So there's going to be some, uh, some big changes. I, I, I love the hypermobility of what you've delivered there, though, because we all know that you know, tech can cost a lot of money. And because we only have essentially one chance at an event to get that tech implemented in the right place, then either there needs to be a huge amount of work trying to determine where to deploy that tech in the right yeah. spaces. And if you get it wrong, you can't really take it down or unrig it and things like that to, to, right. to remove it. Yeah. it. It just, it can't work for health and safety reasons. Whereas I can absolutely see that box attached to a number of TVs on, you know, pedestals with wheels being able to be deployed and redeployed depending yeah. on the situation of the event or what's happening at that moment. And just having that hyper-localized messaging to attendees or exhibitors or visitors or whoever's in the venue based on what they're doing and what others around them are doing really adds value because it's not just that general blanket kind of information i can imagine it's, it's like you're not wearing your could you imagine seeing a sign saying you're not wearing your mask i mean yeah. you would absolutely pay attention to that yeah. because it would be like oh yeah i'm not wearing my mask yeah. which is something that could easily be forgotten you know yeah. at the moment especially or you know again wait times to get into this venue are currently five minutes we have another door 300 meters around the corner that yes. you, you can get into now and all that just really streamlines the um, experience of the attendee coming in out. It yeah. adds to that health and safety and that safety uh, messaging, and that that you know all that information and data coming back to the organizer in real time and the and the Absolutely. ops team and the ELT team like that's that's amazingly powerful. Yeah. I'm surprised it's only a hundred quid, Mark. To be honest, yeah, with you. yeah. I, I mean, we've we've tailor made this because we know we've got demand. We've got, I've got partners in Sao Paulo partners in Singapore, mm -hmm. uh, just got a partner across in Qatar now that are taking, they basically license our hardware across the world. So, you know, somebody who wants to become a nomadic media or a commando partner, um, they can they can get access to my R&D, they can license, they can buy the tech and they can then hire it and use it in their own country. And that's, we've got a massive expanding partnership. So what our partners get the benefit of as well as our clients in the UK and internationally is they get the benefit of all our R&D. I, I, I just love, I love innovation. I, I love getting, I love creating things which no one's created before or making things better for people. It's kind of mm. in my DNA and, and that what you mentioned earlier on about this ability for the technology to move and for it to be engaging people where they need it is actually guerrilla marketing. 
Yeah, yeah. So you can see how it goes all the way back to the very beginning of how you actually mobilize experiences to where they're most respond, where most the best re received, and it makes it more relevant to that audience. And as we become more fragmented, media in itself and experiences have to match that ability to be fluid. And we're now beyond the restrictions of battery technology. So you used to have to plug things into the mains. I mean, we've got our own battery development guys um, that just see binary all day. You know, it's like the Matrix, you know, with these guys, fantastic. <laughs> and they develop really, really advanced battery systems. So things like running iWalkers, the world's only handheld video projection system for guerrilla marketing. That's all battery technology. These these can run off batteries. The TVs that can run them, etc. We can produce, but we can supply batteries to run them as well. And it hits bang on what you said. We're then able to move and respond to the needs of either from a safety front or from a from a marketing front, um, or just playing forward communications. And that's the beauty, our tech is fluid. Yeah. Our tech is mobile. Can I ask you a question then? About five years ago, somebody interviewed me and asked me, what do I think will be the biggest revolution in let's say exhibitions? And my answer to that was, when an exhibition organizer can give an exhibitor access to anonymized data but through technology on their stand being, you know, essentially screens and facial recognition, being allowed that exhibitor to hyper-personalise their branding depending on who is paying attention to their stand at any one time. So for me, for example, of me coming down to ISE, I yeah. come across the Panasonic stand. I do that natural thing, which is I'm interested in Panasonic, yeah. but it recognises me as Adam. It doesn't tell that exhibitor that I am Adam because that's GDPR, but it knows that I'm Adam and I'm looking and focused maybe for a period of time on that stand. And it goes, Adam, we know you're interested in this. Or we've got a solution to solve that problem, X, Y, Z or something yeah. like that. Based, yeah. based on what I've told that company, uh, that exhibition and event I'm registering for, the, the interest levels, what I currently spend on, all that kind of stuff. It sounds to me like we are literally at that point now we where are. that could take, take place then. We are. You, 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 the, the biggest bar barrier in a good way is GDPR because um, that protects our data, protects everyone's data. So you have to, this, the technology has to be super smart. And this comes down to we've got developers and software developers that are engaged pretty much you know, full time um, on developing the Halo platform that this Halo box sits on. And iWalker operates Halo as well. Mm -hmm. um, our eye projectors are digital. They operate Halo. It's a very, it's, I think of a Swiss army knife. Yeah. Then all these different applications, Halo holds all of the different applications we build in. One of those applications is um, the ability to be able to read your audience and on the balance using artificial intelligence, use, on the balance of probability, calculate within milliseconds the percentage of the audience that you want to that, that is relevant and then display an advert for it. So we're doing that already. iWalker does that. That's so by using the camera inside the here and using a camera attached to this, you're able to differentiate the, the, the audience it's, as long as it's 60% more. And then if it's a male or female based bias or certain age groups, then you're able to display an advert which is relevant to them. 
But what you're talking about is a, a new, more nuanced version of that. And I, I'm working with some academics just now on what they call a pseudo-anonymized um, machine learning. So it's deep machine learning where we're using that with image sensing um, to collect information on viewers. And without getting into too much of the technical, what it does is it sets up unique data sets that have got individual signatures to them. And then what you then do is you can re-recognize those individual signatures later down the line. So if you walked in and you were identified, um, you'd given a set of characteristics to your um, preferences, your likes, your dislikes, and when you enter that event, then that data tends to be the ownership of the event. You kind of, that's, I think, a relatively well understood comment. Yeah. Um, that data can be then used when you come in, it's activated through the likes of one of these. It knows you're in. Multiple cameras can then sort of mo mo mobilize to track. And then when you are approaching certain areas, we could even have that communicating with your mobile to give you updates. It can actually change the screens when you approach to the screens on the stand to change the content to you or relevant to you when you access the stand. That's there. It's there. It's, it's a very granular form of what we have uh, from our GDPR facial feature detection, but what we're using is very clever um, manipulation of data sets. And of course, what it does is makes the experience more personalized. I, I love it, it mate. I, I really And in time precious moments, we're all time precious. When someone's got an event, the likes of, you know, ISE or, you know, you're getting to one of these large mobile con world congress, anything at all like that, which is really, really big. And you've got your time precious. You're there for a day or maybe two days to get around some of these events. You kind of want to know uh, where you're going and you kind of want the information as quickly as possible. And you want something that combines, um, whether it's beacon technology or otherwise, it combines your handheld device, your personal device. You want that to become a tool, but you also want to be able to use your eyes and your physical senses to help that experience as well and make it more fun. But it's going to be great, first of all, for the industry because exhibitors and sponsors are going to feel they're getting more bang for their buck. Um, they're getting they're getting sharper responses. Exhibitors are going to want to come back because ahead of some fantastic qualified leads, yeah. the visitors are going to have a far greater, a far more positive experience because they found the places they want to find easier and quicker, which means they can fit more in. And you know, overall, the, 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 it's a win-win. And that's what Absolutely. this technology is about. It balances the, the proposition, balances the needs of the of the visitor or the audience the customer with the needs of business moving forward for tomorrow's people yeah you, you mate, you've absolutely taken the words out of my mouth i can't do a better explanation than that and and you've literally said everything that I, in my head i was thinking about you're essentially taking what amazon does extremely well which is present you what it thinks you want to learn about or know about or buy based yeah. on your habits and preferences right yeah. and we're taking that that format and you know, big events are great because they bring an industry together, but something like ISE, you can spend so much time just trying to find oh, people, right? Absolutely. Just trying to find exhibitors. And exhibitors, you know, even an event like Event Tech Live, which has probably about the best part of two and a half thousand buyers, an exhibitor 
cannot meet with even probably 20% of that audience over yeah. a two-day event. Yeah. What they're there for is those 10 to 15 individual really quality conversations over the course of a day times however many staff they've got. Yeah. Now, if, if your technology can make that better, that quicker and easier for the visitor and ultimately quicker and easier for the exhibitor, then you're absolutely right. The ROI goes through the roof, the satisfaction goes through the roof, and ultimately the visitor gets a better experience because they've not wandered around an exhibition hall aimlessly trying to find yeah. something because they, they, they are notoriously hard to navigate even though they're straight lines. And ultimately, people, like you say, are time poor. Can somebody spend eight hours at an exhibition? If they can, they're lucky. Most people spend probably two to four hours maximum. Yeah. They're in, they're out. They want to do their meetings. They want to have a browse. But they want the information provided to them that makes that efficient um, because they've got other things to do. Yeah. And, you know, get, our job as exhibition organisers is getting people into a room. And I think this takes it one step further, that it now gives us the ability to get them to the people that yeah. they value the most in terms absolutely, of connection absolutely. with. You so know, I think that's massive, mate. Yeah, yeah. massive. And, and, and as you say, you know, the sponsors and the exhibitors that are, you know, they're really the, the bloodline of, I mean, obviously you need visitors and you need your audience, you need to keep them happy. But, you know, fresh inventory in the event industry is, is, is a, it's always nice to see inventory. You still got, they've still got the traditional means of communicating, mm-hmm. which is important. But as a lot of these events are growing because experiences matter to people, um, equally the exhibitors, a chance that the exhibitors get lost in amongst 2,000 of their you know, other businesses or you know, th- hundreds, thousands that are, are attending. And sponsors are also looking for something else that helps to amplify their investment. Um, so... They, so it's important then that the, the, the event industry, as well as looking at new techniques, also have new inventory, new tech, new technology, which helps everyone involved in the growth of whether it's events, trade shows, or whether it's outdoor events. And that's that's kind of that's a real passion for me. To, and and the benefit of the clients that we work with, the partners that we have, and we look for, we're obviously looking for more to to make it an international um, network. Is that you know, they share, they get the benefit of this, of the passion that comes from, certainly from me and my team, into creating these new techs that um, they open opportunities across the world for, for, for like-minded people. Massively, mate. Absolutely. I can I can see so many opportunities for the tech, both for the organiser and other companies supplying additional technologies and things to to events. Um I guess, Mike, Mike, to wrap things up then, Mark, yeah. where can people find out more about Halo and connect up with you to talk about Halo then? Well, um, first of all, well, Nomadics Media, N-O-M-A-D-I-X-Media.com is our site. We're at Nomadics Media for Twitter. Um, I, I'm available you know, through both of the sites, Commando with a K, Commando, K-O-M-A-N-D-O.co.uk, um, and I think Commando, at Commando Marketing for, for Twitter. Um, certainly, I like to... You know, even though I'm CTO for for the Maddox CEO for their, their titles, I'm still a hands-on guy. I, I like to. I'm on the ground. I love speaking to clients. Yeah. I work hands in hand, hand in hand with my partners and my tech team. So, you know, that's the that that's the the best way to get. If somebody wants to email me, my my address is mark at commando k o m a n d o dot co dot uk. I'd love to hear from people. Join me on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, it's it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you 
No, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get you on again because it sounds like this is only one of many innovations and, and, and oh, technology yes. products in the pipeline. So I'm sure there'll be something. And I'm, I'm really excited to speak to you because, like I said, five years ago, I had this vision of what could be really valuable at an exhibition. It sounds like you've, you've literally gone out there and developed it. And, and I can see how powerful and valuable it is to the industry especially on making sure that we showcase the value of our sector in, in driving business and marketing. Um, for anybody listening or watching, we will link all of Mark's details in the show notes and underneath the podcast so you can just click on, visit the website, visit, click connect up with, with Mark himself. And obviously I, I would absolutely, I'm, I'm going to have a demo with Mark afterwards of, of Halo for sure. Um, if you have liked what you've hear, uh, seen or heard today, please give it a like and a share. It really does help the rest of the industry take advantage of the content and move their own businesses forward. Mark, thank you again very much for having, you. Uh, coming thank on. You. And um, let's get you on another one. It'd be my pleasure. All right. Cheers for now, mate.